for Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, there's lots of money for lots of different things in the Biden administration's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief plan. There's money for things like contact tracing, testing, and of course, ramping up vaccine distribution. There's money that would go to places like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that's based in Atlanta. Tia Mitchell, Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joins me for a look at what the package could mean for Georgians as it gets taken up in the U.S. Senate. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. The U.S. Senate could vote on the Biden administration's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan as early as this week. The package, which already made it through the U.S. House, could send hundreds of millions of dollars to Georgia and its residents. Tia Mitchell, Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, has been tracking the bill and is with me now for a deep dive. Tia, thanks for talking with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So before we get into the fine details of this $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus relief package the Biden administration is pushing, I was hoping you could put this in a little bit of context for me. This is actually the third big piece of COVID relief that Congress is considering, right? So how does this package relate to previous ones that Congress has passed? So Congress passed one big COVID relief bill, which is the CARES Act, which was $2.2 trillion. So this bill, which is called the American Rescue Plan, is a little bit smaller, but still very big, you know, in the context of all the stimulus packages that have ever passed, you know, even before coronavirus, you know, during the Great Recession. These two packages are pretty large. The other packages were smaller and considered more of a stopgap measure, which is why, you know, when President Biden became president, he said we need something large and comprehensive to really help get the American people in the economy over the hump. And so that's why you have the American Rescue Plan that rivals the CARES Act, but the other ones were smaller. And just as we dive into this legislation, where is it now 
and there's a little bit of a, of a timeline here that lawmakers are working against, yeah? Yes. So right now, the House approved the American Rescue Plan early in the morning over the weekend on Saturday morning. And so now it rests with the Senate that could take a vote as early as Wednesday. There are some holdups in the Senate because the way it's being done is through what's called budget reconciliation. In very basic terms, it's a way to pass legislation through the budget process instead of the normal process. And why it's done that way is to avoid the filibuster in the Senate which requires 60 votes, so it requires bipartisanship in the Senate. But because budget reconciliation is being used, the Senate parliamentarian can vote that certain provisions in the bill don't meet their requirements for what can pass in budget reconciliation. And so that has already been used, for example, to likely strike down provisions to raise the minimum wage because the parliamentarian said that's not budget reconciliation. That doesn't qualify. So they're still waiting on the parliamentarian to rule on some other parts of the bill. And so that's holding up a Senate vote as well as just some negotiations on, you know, the Senate might want to make. They can't make big changes, but there might be some small changes the Senate wants to make before the members vote. But it's expected this week. The deadline is that some provisions from previous COVID relief packages that we've mentioned, such as extending unemployment benefits, is scheduled to expire March 14th. So the deadline, President Biden wants to sign the new round of stimulus by March 14th so that there's no lapse in some of the previous benefits that have already been put in place. And I want to talk about what's actually in this package because there's a lot of stuff. Um, So maybe let's try to break this down piece by piece. And I want to start by talking about some of the direct aid that Georgians might see coming to them, like stimulus checks. What is in this big package kind of along those lines, direct kind of financial aid for people? So there is um, stimulus checks, which um, most people, that's probably the part that you hear about the most. It's $1,400 for people who make less than $75,000 a year, and then it tapers off until if you make more than $100,000 a year, you wouldn't get a stimulus check. In addition, there are some tax benefits that will help parents get even more money because of some boosts in tax credits. In addition, there's some direct aid that goes to states, counties, and cities that will help them with things like keeping frontline workers and essential workers on the payroll. And then also cities and states and towns can use it for things like if they want to buying PPE or vaccinations and stuff like that. There's also, again, that increase in unemployment benefits that would be a continuation of what's already in place. There's money for businesses. There are various grant programs. For example, there are grants for restaurants and bars. There is also the Paycheck Protection Program, which can be a loan, but it also can be a forgivable loan. That's for businesses, big and small. But there also are separate grants just for small businesses. So there's a lot that's all piled into this one relief bill. 
A substantial portion of this, too, as I understand it, is also pandemic response, money to actually fuel our nation's response to the pandemic. Yes. So there's money for things like contact tracing, testing, and of course, ramping up vaccine distribution. There's money that would go to places like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that's based in Atlanta. There's also money as far as direct COVID-19 response. Again, there's a lot of money for like medical facilities that continue to have to deal with treating people who have contracted the virus. So there's a lot of public health spending. There's also Medicaid money. And this is a part that has been criticized by Republicans, for example, because they say it really doesn't have anything to do with COVID relief. But Democrats say it does because it's health care and people If they have better health care benefits, then they won't have to come out of pocket as much if they have COVID or if they have other health concerns that are affected by the pandemic and access to medical care. So what the bill does is it increases what states can recoup from the federal government when they have to cover people on the Medicaid program. And the hope is that by giving states more money for Medicaid, that may incentivize states like Georgia, which have yet to expand Medicaid, which was a provision under President Barack Obama's Affordable Care Act, to reduce the number of uninsured people. You can make changes to make more, allow more people to qualify for Medicaid. Most states have done that. Georgia is among about a dozen conservative states that have not done that. And this gets us, I think, very nicely to some of these items that Democrats have actually pushed for for years. You mentioned increasing the minimum wage over time to $15 an hour, these kinds of sweeteners for states that have yet to fully expand Medicaid to do so. So there are parts of this package that have kind of been Democratic wish list items for for some time. Right. So and that's, again, one of the reasons why Republicans have criticized the bill, because they say, There's a lot in here that is about Democrats pushing their progressive ideals and not about direct pandemic relief. And again, Democrats counter and say all of it has to do with pandemic relief because families are hurting in a lot of different ways. But for example, the minimum wage increase, Democrats have said this is something we've wanted to do for years. And now with so many people, you know, living check to check, struggling financially under the coronavirus, it makes sense to increase the minimum wage as part of this package where Republicans have said an increase in minimum wage is something Democrats want to do, but it's not directly about the coronavirus. There are so many different channels of money potentially coming to Georgia and Georgians. Are there any big round numbers that we can kind of cling to how much money the state would potentially get out of this package, how much money an average Georgian could potentially see, just any kind of numbers that we can put to this? So um, there are things like the $1,400 um, stimulus check. We know that the state stands to get $4.7 billion, and then cities would get about $552 million dollars. Georgia counties would get about $2 billion, and then there's another $857 million that would also be distributed around Georgia. So for a total amount of $8.2 billion, 
just for Georgia in local and state funding. The tax incentive credits, you know, of course, it varies because it's based on income and size of a family and things like that. But a family of four that's low income could get, I think, a total of like $8,000 when you combine both the stimulus checks and the tax credits. So that's just one figure um, as far as like the direct money. But it's hard to estimate, especially for individuals, because so much of the money has to do with your income level in the size of your household. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Tia Mitchell. She's Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're talking about the Biden administration's COVID-19 relief plan and what it could mean for Georgia. You know, this has made it through uh, the U.S. House, and so we've had a chance to see how some of our state's congressional delegation uh, feel about this package. So how did our House members vote uh, when this made it through the House? Well, it was just as partisan as the overall vote. So no Republicans voted yes, and only two Democrats voted no. Neither of those Democrats were in Georgia. So Georgia's delegation split directly among party lines. We have six Democrats. They all voted yes. We have eight Republicans. They all voted no. And, you know, we're talking about the Senate vote coming up. Both our senators are now Democrats, and both senators, Ossoff and Warnock, have both voiced support for the legislation. It's been their top priority, particularly the stimulus checks. So we expect them to both vote yes as well when it does come up for a vote on the Senate floor. We talked earlier about the Democrats trying to pass this legislation through the budget reconciliation process. That kind of allows them to sidestep the filibuster, which they don't have the votes to overturn. But do we have a sense that the Senate, which is controlled very narrowly by Democrats, can get together on a bill? What is kind of the the outlook uh, for this piece of legislation in, in the Senate? You know, they'll come up with something that all 50 Democrats can agree on because that's all they need is the 50 Democrats to remain unified. And then Vice President Harris comes over and she's the tie breaking vote and it's done. And so things like the minimum wage are likely to be taken out of the package because they don't have support from all, you know, with the parliamentarians ruling. It's not clear that all 50 Democrats would want to, you know, buck that ruling. It's unlikely. Even President Biden has not expressed support for bucking that ruling. So, for example, minimum wage is likely to come out. And again, there could be some small tweaks But we don't expect um, big tweaks because, again, this is something that Democrats have been negotiating in communication with the White House from the beginning. I want to kind of zoom out a little bit and and talk about kind of this bill in relation to where we are in the pandemic. Vaccines are rolling out and we certainly are in a much better place than we were when the Biden administration moved into the White House with regards to, you know, newly confirmed cases, hospitalizations, things like that. I mean, this is one of the largest stimulus packages in U.S. history, and it looks like we might be turning a corner on the pandemic. So is there conversation about whether this is too much money and it's potentially coming at a time when things are improving on their own anyway? Yes, that's something that Republicans have said 
that they are worried about the size of the package, in part because they're not sure that so much spending, $1.9 trillion is needed. They've brought up that some even CARES Act money, which was passed almost a year ago, that there's even some CARES Act money that is not yet spent. And again, they say that they worry that certain parts of the bill are not about responding to the coronavirus pandemic, but are more about pushing a wish list for Democrats. Now, Democrats counter that even though CARES Act money may not be spent, it's spoken for, it has a purpose, and that more money needs to also be kind of allocated for additional needs. Um, They talk about the size of the bill and saying that even though we appear to be on the upswing, you know, vaccinations are increasing, cases are going down. They say that families are still struggling, safety nets are still needed. And if there is not relief for American families, that in the short term, families could struggle in a way that will ultimately cost more to help them. So why not give them money and resources on the front end to soften that cushion and help what is still going to be a long process. You know, widespread vaccinations are not expected until, you know, later this summer or the fall. And there's still a lot of uncertainty about what this pandemic will look like in the long term. You know, coronavirus could still be around for quite some time. And so Democrats have said, we need this spending and that the things they put in the bill are not about a wish list, but about cobbling together something that's comprehensive based on research data, experts, public health officials, and what they're hearing from states and local leaders about what they need, you know, quickly. What is your sense of what experts here on the ground in Georgia, economists say, and even Georgians themselves think about some provisions of of this package? Do Do you have a sense of that? Well, you know, in general, more stimulus is popular. The AJC did a poll earlier this year, like in January, and 76% of the Georgians we polled said that they wanted another check. It's, of course, more popular amongst Democrats and independents than it is among Republicans. But even a majority of Republicans said that they wanted the checks. In general, there is, you know, partisan division on the stimulus bill overall, because, again, that messaging is very partisan with conservatives wondering about the size and things like that, whereas Democrats saying we need it. But again, the most popular provision which is the stimulus checks, is pretty universal regardless of, you know, political leaning. Is there a risk of the Biden administration potentially overshooting here? This is the first major piece of legislation that they are really moving on. Um, What if this is too much money and we don't know that until six months from now? What are potentially the political ramifications for the Biden administration and for some of our elected officials here in Georgia? Well, I mean, there's always risk. And I think Republicans are hoping that eventually, you know, people start to criticize the size of the bill and the size of the national debt and that it helps Republicans. That being said, the national debt's been increasing for four years under President Trump. He did a lot of spending. And of course, 
Republicans didn't make it as much of an issue because the president was of their same party. But it doesn't appear that the rising national debt under President Trump was his ultimate downfall. So I think Democrats are hoping, you know, we get it done early. Of course, they're hoping that the COVID relief helps boost the economy and that it remains popular among voters. But the other thing that Democrats, I guess, has a backup plan is that it's being done early enough in Biden's administration that it can, you know, whatever any negative effects are can be recovered, you know, before his four years is up. Now, of course, it could damage Democrats sooner because we have midterm elections coming up in 2022. And again, we know that the rising national debt is going to return as a Republican talking point now that Trump is no longer president. I think it's too early to tell whether that resonates with voters because, again, we can't predict what sentiment is going to be not only about the pandemic in a year and a half, but about government spending under the pandemic in a year and a half. We're just going to have to wait and see. You mentioned that this bill got very little bipartisan support in the House. It doesn't look likely to get any in the Senate. And this is, again, one of the largest stimulus packages that the U.S. government, that Congress has ever passed. What do you think it means that this bill is potentially going to, uh, if it does get passed, to, to have that happen without hardly any bipartisan support? Well, it means that bipartisanship is kind of a figment of... Um wishful thinking in Congress, and it has been for quite some time. You know, Democrats are flexing their muscle now that they have control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. The same thing happened under the Trump administration. They used budget reconciliation to push through tax cuts, and they did it in a way that was not bipartisan. Democrats didn't support it. So it goes both ways, you know. Um, the point I think that is probably more important, and it's clear that it's more important for Democrats, but I would argue it is generally more important, is not whether the vote in Congress is bipartisan, because nobody's going to remember the vote in Congress except for people like you and me. What's more important is what do people at home think? And again, right now, the stimulus checks are popular. Now, if people back at home start to believe that this stimulus package was the wrong thing to do, that's what's troubling for members of Congress. You know, if and if people back home think it's a good thing to do, that could be troubling for Republicans in Congress. But whether Republicans supported it or not right now is not the big deal with people at home. This is, you know, the third big piece of relief that Congress has mulled for the pandemic. I mean, is this going to be the third and the last or can we expect to be having this conversation a year from now on on a different kind of stimulus package? Again, I think it depends on what the pandemic looks like in a year from now. It depends on what the economy looks like in a year from now. It also depends on what else can be done. For example, one of the next priorities of President Biden is going to be a transportation and infrastructure bill that spends a lot of money to do things like repair aging bridges, pave roads, and update our interstate system. And even though it's not billed as coronavirus relief, it is being billed as a measure that can lead to jobs and help stimulate the economy. 
So there could be other measures, again, not called coronavirus relief throughout the year, intended to boost the economy, help get American people back to work, and more stimulus by another name. So that could also happen. Tia Mitchell is Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And before signing off, I'd like to invite you to join me Thursday, March 4th at 7.30 p.m. I'll be in conversation with Dr. Carlos Del Rio from Emory University and Fulton County Health Director Dr. Lynn Paxton about what we can expect next from the pandemic after living through it for the last year. We'll even take your questions in this free virtual event. That's Thursday, March 4th at 7.30 p.m. Sign up at wabe.org community. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. It's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.